With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we are going live, and Kevin has something to show us. That this is, is Pierre, Pierre Palat, 6465, tall boy card. And wow. I'm, I'm showing that today to show my, uh, uh, my protest of the top 100 <laughs> having Pierre Palat. Uh, last week, uh, I, and, and full disclosure, I did vote on it. I did vote for Pierre Palat, um, who was probably the best defenseman pre uh, Bobby Orr. Three Norris trophies, three yeah. second place finishes, and um, you know, in the six or seven years leading up to to Bobby Orr, who you know redefined what a defenseman should be, Pierre Palat was the best. So I, you know, look, he he didn't belong in the top fifty or sixty, but I thought you know he. He should have, uh, or at least uh, maybe he was considered by most everyone in the top 100, but I thought he deserved to be there. So, And, and in response to that, Kevin, mm -hmm. I have my 1993 Doug Gilmore. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's tops or I don't know what it is. I think it might be Opeachy. But Doug Gilmore did not make the top 100 when Adam Oates and Denny Savard, at least Savard, I think – Gilmore was a more impactful player than Denny Savard. I know Denny Savard was more flashy. To me, Gilmore, uh, I mean, his career was longer. He had more points. Uh, they both had one Stanley Cup, and I think you know, Gilmore won a Selkie or a Lady B. No, he won a Selkie. So, I mean, I, I think Gilmore deserved to be on the list, and I, I would have taken Savard off of it. Well, you know, it's interesting. Those are two different players. I mean, you know, Savard Stanley Cup with Montreal, like he was not a prominent figure. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't Denny Savard. I mean, Denny Savard to me was the spinorama Denny Savard. That's, that's exactly but, that's you know that's why I thought he made it is because of the, um, as you said, the flash that he had and um, yeah, Gilmore was a gritty, feisty, you know, prickly player, and Savard was a player that was born to play mm -hmm. in the nineteen uh, eighties and early nineties. You know, he was just exciting, and he he put up a lot of points in that um, when he was going strong with the Blackhawks, for sure. Well, we had this debate about Howard Chuck the other day, and then we had the other – and where I where you guys actually, Mike, you and Russ didn't even believe he was a Hall of Famer. No, I thought he was. Were you kidding me? We had this discussion, remember, and I said he was a Hall of Famer. I said, I said in the Western Conference in the, in the early 80s, the top three centers arguably were Gretzky – Howarchuk and Denny Savard in that order, and my point was that I thought Howarchuk was the better of the two, of the two over Savard. So if Howarchuk didn't make it, why would Savard make it? Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I would put Eiserman ahead of of uh, you know he would be second. Yeah, yeah. And, and and don't forget Lemieux was in the '80s as well. So right. Yeah. yeah. So Eiserman was in the West. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would uh, say. Uh, and there was a lot of discussion uh, after the, the top 100 uh, was revealed about how it all worked. And as a guy that voted on it, and I know I've talked to other voters as well, um, I, it, basically the top 70 sort of wrote themselves mm -hmm. yeah. and kind of plugged them in. And then it's the last 30, there were probably about 100 players 
that you could consider in that. Um, and I don't think it matters. In fact, it, it doesn't matter that Marcel Dion didn't um, win a championship because he was yeah. an elite player. It was fully established. But it does matter that Howard Chuck didn't win one. And the reason it does is it didn't win one because when you're down in the bottom and you're splitting hairs as finely as you have to to separate yeah. 90 down to 30, the only measure that you can do that by, because they're all exceptional players, mm -hmm. um, is to look at things like championships and um, trophies won and, and so forth. I mean, you know, just the – uh, who the person was is good enough to to bring the top 70. And even then, it was hard. Like, the one thing I would say, um, I, I would love to interview everybody who voted to see how they looked at players that played before, um, you know, they were uh, could watch them. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a big thing, right? That That's a, yeah, that's, that's a tough call. But, you know, if you're going to vote, you, you know, you have an obligation to do research and figure out what's yeah. what's going on. The problem is, is you just don't, have the uh, you know the eyeball test which you know is important you know like mike was saying uh, you know he saw a lot of gilmore and in his mind gilmore is better i mean you could certainly make a case that coaches would prefer gilmore over savar mm -hmm. but i don't think that's what we were right. sort of picking. Yeah. we were talking about players who you know sort of um and also do you think i mean gilmore i associate with two teams you know and um uh, do you think do you think players that are associated with like and Savard, even though he played with two teams, I associate with one. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know he played with Montreal, but that was such a brief moment. I really, I do remember Gilmore very well as a Blue. Like I remember him in the Blues, and I remember that you know era of him on the Blues. And, and I know as he's prominent, more prominently did more stuff with Maple Leafs, but well, the Flames and you won, he won his cup. Oh, right, and the Flames, right? Sorry, what am I saying? So there's three teams actually. I wonder if that affects them. You know, if that affects the player. Well, the, the funny thing is, like, I, I, had, I had heard some people say that the reason, you know, a guy like Gilmore didn't make it is because he didn't stay with one particular team. He was on, I think, seven teams. But that, that yeah. argument goes, goes out the window when, like, Adam Oates was on just as many teams. So, you know, I mean, he was on, you know. I, I don't know. I, you know, I did a lot of discussion. No one ever brought that up that that mattered. Oh, so that must, that must have been a Twitter argument. I was just curious because, you know, like, um, it does – I don't know. To me, that, I guess that doesn't matter. Oates was an interesting call, though. I do think Oates was an interesting call, as much as I like Adam Oates. I, I think Oates made it uh, uh, for the same reason he made the Hall of Fame, and which is, you know, when people sat and thought about it, if you're listing the greatest passers in NHL history, yeah. right, got to be there. And passing is a very important part of a team-oriented True. game. True. And I, and and I think, couple, yeah. And you know, he was the. Uh, the catalyst on, uh, you know, for Brett Hall, um, you know, yeah, Hall and Oates were, uh, you know, that was the, that was the, I mean, that was amazing. And, and Oates had a career before that too. Right. So he, he was, but he was all over the place too. He played now. Where did he start before that? Was he in, he started in Detroit. That's right. He was in Detroit. I was thinking he was Detroit, but I was afraid I wasn't right. Yeah. I, I, I've got an interesting story about him. It's kind of a cerebral, Oh, what a cerebral player he was. Um, and I, I, it was Jimmy Demolano, I think, that told me this. I hope I have that right, who told me the story. But I, I'm confident it's true. That Animotes put in his first contract, he he insisted upon a bonus that would pay him, uh, I don't remember the amount of money, but you know a fairly significant amount if he completed his college education because he wanted the carrot um, so that he would be prodded to make sure. I remember sure. that. And, uh, 
He just insisted upon it that there had to I be. I remember this because, like I said, my dad was a my dad was a Red Wings fan at the time, and I remember my dad when I was going to college actually mentioning this to me. It's yeah. funny that you say that. I remember this whole thing. He thought that was an amazing thing too. Yeah, and he was our our, our PI, correct? Kevin? Yeah, he was. Yeah, and uh, what the the rocket scientists uh, Joey Juno from there too. Uh, was All right. Yes. I know. I know. Darren Poopa went there, but there's a few other. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no. Oh, Oates was a uh, an unbelievable passer, and oh, yeah. Um, you know, I think he was. Uh, I'd be surprised if he wasn't pretty much on. You know, most of the the ballots. I I, I think that bottom thirty was a little tough yeah. uh, to, to sort through. I mean, there's some really good players, obviously, that were left off. Uh, I know. Um, you know, you mentioned Zidane Chara, who. Yeah. You know, and I, I thought the word you used when you and I were talking about about the impact, the game-changing ability. Like, um, yeah. other than uh, goaltenders, obviously, nobody uh, in my mind ever could uh, impact a playoff series quite the way that uh, Chris Pronger could. Like, Chris Pronger yeah. was almost goalie-like in his ability to uh, change the uh, uh, look of a playoff series. But Chara can do that, too, with his long reach. and Yeah. Uh, you know, so, Not yeah, Char- I mean, I, want to I, come, I, I think – I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, he and he won a cup. He won Norris, uh, and it wasn't his fault that he played at the same time Nicholas, Nicholas Lidstrom played. Um, right. You know. Right. You know. So I and uh, you know Michelle Goulet was a yeah, terrific left wing, and there's there's a shortage of quality left wings in NHL history. So um, you know, there's there's that as well. And uh, oh. Joe Thornton as another player that's going to yeah. be listed among the like he's. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame uh, just on his passing alone and the number of yeah. points. You know, I he's always paid a price for being a six foot four guy who doesn't score. Yes, like exactly. like six foot four guys are supposed to score, and you know, and playmakers like Joe Thornton are supposed to be five ten or five eleven. Right. Oh, and know? I think not just not just he doesn't score, but that doesn't fight either. That not not just and isn't a rough player too. I think I think Joe Thornton's size. Especially in Boston was a major factor. Like that, they wanted yeah. him to be more physical. Well, he looks meaner now with that beard, though. Yeah, so. he does. Well, and then, he's still such a nice, peaceful guy. He's just there's not a mean bone in Joe Thornton's body. It, it must be something about about big players in traditional hockey markets. Because what what about James? I mean, I'm saying not in top 100, but James Van Riemsdyk in Philadelphia. They could not stand the fact that he had a six foot four guy. Oh, yeah, no, there's 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 definitely something too. Especially you know, I think it's going away a little bit more now. But there was an old school theory that you know a big player that didn't play big. That was the strike against him no matter how well he did you know like no matter how much he scored he had to play big and that was actually john leclerc's thing that that was one of the reasons i heard montreal trade him they felt like he didn't play big in montreal even though he was you know scored plenty of big goals for them and of course when he got to philly he played plenty big but, you know, uh, won a stanley cup in 93 without his overtime uh oh yeah no he was phenomenal and you know and people that one of the weirdest things of, of ever i ever remember of it one player against one team was the five years that followed of what Leclerc did against the Montreal Canadiens was literally astonishing. I, yeah, no, that's right. I the numbers he put up for the Flyers against the Canadiens were just ridiculous. Um, of all, uh, that was the one best experience, you, best, best example of a player coming back to haunt another team. Leclerc just you know, I, I would say that the uh, Leclerc, the Legion of Doom line with Renberg and Lindros, yeah. Uh, like I don't remember, uh, nothing comes to mind anyway. 
so much talk about how one line was going to be so important yeah. to a Stanley Cup final, and then the Red Wings just neutralized them. Like they just weren't a factor in that. Uh, in, I mean, series. I believe I that if you if you take Leclerc and Lindros and, and the whole Legion of Doom line and and bring them into the league six years later than they were. And you bring them into a league where you know clutching and grabbing from defenders was not allowed at all. Where you know this, where you know the new NHL, it would have been in, insane what that team, what that line would have put together because that line was constant. I mean, look, there's video when you, when you watch videos of that. I watched the video of one of those games before. Leclerc and Lindros had guys hanging on them all the time, which is something that you just don't see anymore. Well, they were so big and beefy. Yeah. I mean, that that was that line averaged 230 pounds of man, didn't it? I mean, oh, at least yeah, two they, were, they were insane. And you couldn't stop them if they wanted to. They were all Malkin-esque, you know. Like that's what they remind me of. Like when you watch them play, they, you know. You know and Malkin is, by the way, another you know, obviously another guy on the list, right? Yeah. Which, yes, which is probably yeah, he, he's number number one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just won all the awards. He's been and I and I've said before, like um, at various times, like you can't really say Ovechkin or Crosby. I mean, now you can say Crosby's the, the best player in the game, but before. It was hard. It was either Ovechkin or Crosby, but every once in a while, like some weeks it'd be Ovechkin, some weeks Crosby. Every once in a while, it was Malkin. Like yeah, Malkin was yeah. the best player in the league. Oh yeah. You know, I, I so still bad. and I still hold to this that if you were to go all around um, Malkin or Malkin, um, to me, he he's a great passer, a really great passer. People don't even think of him as a great passer, but he is an incredible. I mean, you watch Malcolm pass; he comes up, he makes plays that are that are like Adam Oates, like where he sees guys that you wouldn't be able to see. He gets passes. He skates like, kind of like Lindros did, where he skates through people. You know, he shoots like, uh, you know, the, he just he does everything at a high level. Malcolm. I mean, he's the crazy thing about, and and the only thing that maybe he has going against him is, I don't know, he's sometimes he's not. What was he, that? He's in the shadow of Sid. He's in the shadow of Sid, and sometimes I don't think he puts all of his game into his game. Like I, nope. I think, and he's a little fragile. He's fragile, uh, right? He's broken down a couple of times, and but when he wants to, last year I thought in the Stanley Cup Finals, he was insane, um, and he was hurt. Like hurt. he was hurt and and insane, and and that was when, of course, there were rumors flying around that he might be going, be going to get moved and all that stuff, but. He just played out of his mind. I thought that he that was the best, and he when he came out afterwards, how hurt he was, and like holy cow, you know, like that that was Malkin hurt. My God, you know what would he be like yeah. healthy in that final? He was well, crazy. He's, he's a he's an unbelievable player. I you know, and again, I remember before Malkin was drafted, um, his agent, uh, or at least he was in, in the. Um, uh, in the same agency, I don't know if it was necessarily Mike Barnett, but Mike Barnett, the agency represented Malkin, and I remember he compared him before I had seen him. This was like when he was sixteen or seventeen yeah. to <laughs> Bellavo. Wow, and that's I, a great comparison. Yeah, I, I, I've always thought of that every time I watch him. Now I think of Mike Barnett. It's funny about Mike Barnett. Like Mike Barnett was like Gretzky's agent. And yeah. he was a powerful guy, like oh, a real wow. powerful guy in this league. Like he, he had all the top players. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, he was he was a he was a mover and shaker. Yeah, for West. sure. And, and it's almost like he lost power when he became a general manager. I know that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I but, I know a couple of people who've done that, and they'll tell you that they lose power when they become general managers. <laughs> they'll admit to I that. Mean, you just don't have the impact. I mean, he you know he was he just had so many top players that. 
Um, and, you know, he impacted, obviously, the salary structure and all that. A real bright guy, real entertaining guy. Actually, Mike Burnett played pro hockey, too. Um, you know, never reached the NHL, but played in the minors. Um, uh, um, and was a real, real interesting guy. But I, I've always thought about that. I, when I watch Malk and I think, you know, what Mike had said, that he, he thought he was going to be John Bellavelle-esque. And he's sort of been that, sort of that big center, highly skilled. Um, well, hello, Hockey World. It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2016. Nope. No, it's not. It's 2017, and it's Thursday, but we'll just call it February 2nd, 2017. I'm Eklund, and you've been watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com with Kevin Allen of USA Today and Michael Jello of Hockey Buzz. And this is the second time, in I think, in a row that with Kevin, we've almost forgotten to do an intro. We just get off to such good discussions right off the bat that we almost forget to do the intro, but here, there it is. So you're watching the show. We're brought to you by readers and listeners like you um, who go to patreon.com slash hockey and help support the show. We very much appreciate that. And uh, all right, so we've, we've already been talking about the top 100, which is an amazing thing. And and I, I think somebody needs to actually put them in order. That was my, that was an idea I had. Oh, that'll just start a know No one wants to do. No. But, you know, that's just wimpy. Well, some people have done it. I mean, I ranked 25, and, you know, it's okay. a pretty thankless job because. Oh, yeah. No, it's a it's it's a very thankless the abuse, job. The abuse that you take, uh, it's yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, beyond description. I mean, you know, Pittsburgh people, and I'm uh, most people who follow me know I love going to Pittsburgh. I, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a Sidney Crosby guy and everything else. But the fact that I had Mario fourth, um, yeah. you know, probably has earned me a crucifixion. And, uh, <laughs> It's you know, like, and, you know, and the thing, the funny part is, like, they've accused me of being like anti Mario and everything, and it couldn't be farther from the truth. Like, I am like a huge Mario guy. Like, there's I, nothing wrong with being fourth when you're in, when you're when you're behind the three people you're behind there. That's like that's the, insane. The only thing I do feel good about is I put my top twenty five out, and before the um, we all went to L.A. for the All Star game, and um, now both Gretzky and um, or had said in, pre in previous years that they felt Gordy was the best all-around player. Well, I, I listed Gordy as my best all-around player, and I did take abuse over that. Yeah. Um, and and really, I mean, if you think about it, you know, Gordy hasn't played in 37 years, so you basically got to be in your 50s to have oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On him. And I think that was an issue. But you know, Gretzky and or and then Mario agreed that um, you know his strength was his durability and his toughness. He could play everything he could, you know, he would, when he wanted the rest, they would just drop him back on defense. You know, <laughs> he played, I have some clips, um, especially playing against Montreal, um, where they note that he played 45 minutes of the game. Um, yeah, that's no, that's, that's, that's uh, just, I mean, you did skating around with, uh, with 45 to 50 pounds of equipment on you because, you know, made of deer hair back then. And you're out there, and you're—I mean, that's insane. Yeah. He must have just been—I mean, just what a specimen to be able to do that. And well, yeah, form, which I love, basically the size of basically the size of, of Peter Forsberg as a player, which is like, oh, 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 yeah, the exact same size. They played because uh, uh, Pierre Lacroix brought that. The former uh, Avalanche general manager told mentioned that to me, and I, I looked it up. And Gordy, I had obviously done a book with, and yeah, he played within two pounds of of his weight. All 26 years, he never varied more than okay. he played at 203, and you know he never you know played at higher than 205 or less than 201. That's you know he just stayed right around there, and all that uh, that sculpted 
uh, body that he had uh, in, in those movie star good looks, uh, that just added to his, you know, persona as a player. That's why he was featured in Look Magazine and like he, uh, yeah. you know, a newsreel. He was called Gordy. I mean, like that, the, the name, I mean, the name itself is such a Canadian hockey name. And I may, yeah. I know there's a chicken and egg aspect to this, okay, because it's, it's a hockey name because of him, <laughs> right? But at the same time, it's not like that. I never knew anybody in America named Gordy. Like that's something that I, I would. I think that's fair, though. I mean, if his name was John Smith, we would not remember right. him the way. Right. Now. So he's an obvious Gordy. He's a Canadian. That's your you're Gordy. If you're a Canadian, you're Gordy. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> the the way you could break it. I mean, the same thing with Gretzky. I mean, Gretzky had a cool name too. That's I true mean, too. That, no, great names are great. Great names are really interesting. And and same thing with with Mario. You know, like oh, if yeah. his name was Pierre, um, you know, it just wasn't as cool as a Mario the Magnificent. You know, that's a, to me, that's a great uh, uh, a French name, Mario the Magnificent. Like he's just and a great one. They, you know, all the you know, the only Bob Yor didn't have a great, you know, nickname of those four. <laughs> but but here here's the uh, here's how you break it down. Um, and I and I really believe this. People say it's a cop out, but this is what I truly believe. Gordie Howe was the best all-around player among the yep. four. Wayne Gretzky was the most creative player uh, of the four. Mm -hmm. um, Bobby Orr was the most dynamic player of the of the four, and Mario Lemieux was the best goal scorer. I, you know, I, he had the purest scoring touch of the of that four. Now people argue that because Gretzky, you know, had ninety two goals, but but Wayne scored. Not like Mario did. Mario would just snap a shot, or like I, you know, we don't today. We measure everything. Um, yeah. uh, you know how many breaths the guy draws. Right, you know, right, right. forty second shift. But back then, you know, we didn't keep track of one stat we should have, which is percentage of breakaways converted. And I would argue now I got no way to back this up that the number one breakaway guy in NHL history in terms of of uh, scoring. Um, is uh, Mary Lemieux, and I I would say Eiserman was second. That would be my yeah. Uh, the kid who grew up as a Flyers fan, I will back you with that one because I I saw plenty of Mario breakaways, and I can't remember many being stopped, if any. I remember one being stopped because it was stopped by my favorite player, Pelly Lindbergh, at the time, and I just and it really stuck out to me. Um, and the funny thing about that, and then we're going to get on with other things in the show. But I was so today I was driving, I had to get something done for my car. I was driving down, and I came and I was on Island Avenue in, in Philadelphia, which is near. Um, it's near the airport. I'm driving along, and I run across this, which is really – I forgot about this, and this is it's hockey-related, so it's really kind of interesting. I forgot that this exists. Let me show you this picture. All right, so I'm driving along, and here's the picture that I see. Let's see if I can see this, if you can get this into focus here. Uh, there we uh, go. Lindbergh Boulevard. And I forgot that they did name a street right around the corner from the arena there, near between the airport and the arena, after Pelly Lindbergh. Um, and – you know, and then I, you know, was, you guys were showing up your cards. I have my officially this Pelly Lindbergh mask made by the same person who made Pelly Lindbergh's actual mask. This is this was my mask for a while. So, um, this well, is, so yeah. So that's that's my. But of course, he's not in the top hundred. But you know, for me, um, top one. You know, one of my favorites of all time. So let's move on to um, a couple things we got to do here. Uh, and first, I think think we should get on to the Olympics because the Olympics are the, the never-ending story <laughs> of a cat gone to the dogs. Um, no, this is this, this is. The Olympics. Um, now, last week in in you were at the you were at the press conference, Kevin. It looked as if, and it felt as if, that the Olympics were dead in the water. Right, like this is not happening. 
Well, that's the league's position. But, you know, if you ask the people who are at the federations, they still have a lot of hope. I mean, right. this is my read on it, right or wrong. I have no idea, but um, because I'm speculating. But it's, it's speculation yeah. based on my history of, of covering Gary Bettman and, and knowing the both sides of the issue. I, I, I would say that Gary Bettman is being uh, truthful when he says that the majority is against the Olympic participation. I th but, you know, what is it? Is it 17, 13, 16, 14, 18, yeah. 12? It's not a super majority, to be sure. Okay. And because of that, I think Gary and, – and Gary knows that there's some value to going into the Olympics. I mean, it's the biggest stage in the world, and – you know, I, I point out all the time that when we were at the 2010 Olympics USA Today, we were doing a lot of live uh, blogs. And the number one question we got during every game Ryan Miller played is, what team does he play for during the regular right, season? Right. Yeah, that's, that's, in, yeah, that's incredible. So, so you reach fans that you don't. So Bevan understands all that. So I think he's just waiting for the PA to exert pressure slash provide inducements. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I think that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the players I can, to. And I'll let you know, Mike, after this, but I can, I can back you up on one thing. I have had a couple lunches in my life. I've been lucky enough to go to lunch and I do this every couple years with Gary Bettman in New York and, and talk to him about all a bunch of things. And I can say that he is, I've always gotten the impression that he likes the Olympics more than the owners like the Olympics. Like Gary really does like the Olympics. And I think, and people are sitting back saying, okay, the NHL, you would, why would you, and I just think that he gets it based on the, you know, the owners have their own natural fears of missing a player, which makes sense. But Gary, I think just loves, people don't realize that, and people, Gary Bettman just gets such a bad raw deal, but Gary Bettman loves hockey. I really, he's, he's legitimately, I mean, for all the money he's made and everything he does, he legitimately loves the sport and loves the Olympics part of it. Like he thinks that he wants to see the best players in his own mind, you know, that beyond just a business thing, I really do get the sense that he thinks he knows that if he likes it this much, other people must like it that much. But he is, of course, nothing but a spokesperson for these owners. That's what he does. So what he, whatever he puts together, is I mean they might go to him if it's like you say if it's fifteen fifteen he might get to cast the deciding vote but and and that's the whole and that's the whole reason why I'm sort of a little puzzled right now because you know they're meeting with the IOC they're meeting with the IIHF and they're trying you know purportedly trying to get concessions out of them you know the insur you know insurance money more more money two two different things but in the end Bettman made that proposal to the PA to get the extension of the CBA and now all of a sudden if they end up going and they don't get anything out of the PA. I think the owners and the and the league look weak. So you know that they, they, they was a, that was. God, a I hope they're not thinking of it that way. <laughs> well, the, you're right, though, Mike. I hear you saying. Well, I, I do too. Um, and I think this was caused by, um, and you actually heard that in Gary Bettman's voice when he said, "Well, you know, last year we wanted to go to three on three and." Um, you know, they we had to give them the bye week uh, in order to do that. Now, I, I don't know why we did, but we did. We wanted to do that. And so I think, uh, you know, turnabout is fair play is what he's thinking. You know, we, we have the hammer here. Our, my guys don't want to go. And, you know, and it's part of the issue, too, and it is the fear of injury, to be sure. But it's also, you know, shutting down the business. And yeah. um, I don't think people sort of get that. But that would be like um, – you know, telling, uh, you know, a big department store, you know, you got to shut down two weeks, uh, yeah. during, you know, I, I, you know, like you need every week. And, and even though they, they don't lose any games, they lose momentum. And right. 
Uh, it's been reported that, and obviously it's not true in places like Toronto or Montreal, but it's been reported, and, and I'm, I believe it's accurate, that a lot of teams lose walk-up sales yeah. uh, because people find other things to do and they realize they don't need to see every game. Um, right. Right. So. So I, but I, I, you know, I don't think the last card has been played here whatsoever. I, you know, and I think Bettman is totally sincere too when he says, uh, because I've heard others express this as well. You know, uh, Rene Fassell, who's just working hard to try to get the NHL players there. He's president yeah. of the NHF. You know, he has said we're going to get the money, but I don't think Gary Bettman likes where Rene is getting the money from. I mean, that's going to really be on the backs of the federations. That's how they're going to raise that ten million. Yeah, and that yeah, that comes out of money that you know, like that you know, for development. Yeah, and yeah, that, that that luge guy is getting, or the cross country skier is getting, and all that stuff. And that's not what the NHL wants to be either, right? Because these are pros. I mean, there are that that they, they look really bad by doing that. Well, uh, I'm not sure that I'm following you exactly. Okay, no. So what I'm so what I'm saying is this. So so. That money is coming out of the you know the Olympics and the. Well, not Olympics. The Olympics should be paying, but they refuse to pay. This would no, be. No, this is coming from like the Swedish Ice Hockey Federation, every, the USA Hockey, and from right. Hockey Canada. It's not. It's oh, coming, okay, I thought it was. I thought it was coming out yeah. of the general. No, uh, no and, and Gary Bettman believes okay, that they sorry. should. They should, and I do too. That the IOC should be paying. I mean, this is a, a billions of dollar business. The Olympics yeah. and. They benefit from having, you know, top-notch talent there. I mean, these are the best players in the world. Um, they're rent. They're they're renting their talent for two weeks, and they're not getting anything back for it. Thank and you, Gary. Was, thank you, Gary Bettman. Yes, that's right. Right. Well, they're not getting anything back directly for it, right? That, well, that's but they're not even getting their expenses paid. That's Gary's beef. They in the past they have. But now they're saying they will get their expenses paid. They're just saying they don't know where it's going to they, they, where it's going to come no, from. Gary doesn't. Well, like Renee, Renee Fassell said, "Don't worry about that. We're going to pay your expenses." But what Gary Bettman is saying is, you know, I don't like where you're getting that money from. Yeah, you're giving it to us, but it's on the back. Of <laughs> right, right. I love Renee Fassell. This is a horrible comparison because I met him. He's a super guy, super guy. But it, but I've lately I'm with my daughter has gotten into Friday Night Lights. Okay. Um, and we've been, you know, we, the great series, and I've watched. I'm watching it for the second time. And and one of the great things about getting old, I've decided, is that is that you do you literally can watch series again. Like you can start again <laughs> when you get old. You can start again. And I look forward to watching things again when I get older that I really love because you watch it like you've never seen it before. But you know the character Buddy, who's the um, the, the the booster, you know, from Friday Night Lights, who is the epitome of the. Everybody, everybody who's ever run a soccer team knows the ridiculous parent or whatever who's always getting in there is always being, a, you know, who thinks that, thinks that the whole team is the end of the world. And this happens at every youth soccer and high school sports and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and he always has, oh, we have the money. We got the money. We don't worry about it. We got the money. You know, we're going to figure it out. Like this. And this is like a fun. That's, this is what this whole thing reminds me of when I hear it. Like, yeah. yeah, but you know, the, the thing is, though, I, I believe the IOC provides some sort of recompense to the NBA for the Summer Olympics. There, there's no problem there. So this is sort of, you know, it, the NHL not getting equal treatment. Well, but see, if my understanding is correct, I, I think it is anyway. I, you know, in the past, they have paid these expenses, and it's, it's just now the Olympics committee is saying, okay, we're going to draw a line in the sand. So, you know, the NBA could be going through this next but time. The money, the money to put, um, put, to put what, 75 NBA players, you know, for the uh, entire thing? Yeah, yeah. compared to uh, – no, I'm not going to go ahead. Okay, so, I mean, because, I mean, you're looking at – in the NBA players, there's hardly any – 
be compared to compared to every any you know every each NHL team has probably more players than all the all the NBA players are playing. But the NBA players are bigger, X, so they need bigger rooms. They're bigger guys, yeah, for sure. But that and the plus it's in the summer, right? When it doesn't matter. We are talking about ten million dollars. You know the travel costs. No question about it. Um, what's amazing to me is that the network hasn't stepped up and done something about this. Like to me, that's that's where this could that that's that's who should be doing this. Like to NBC does not want the Olympics and the NHL going at the same time because they cover it, but they have both, and they don't want to split their town up. And it's going to cost them money to do that. They're going to have to still show Wednesday night rivalry night or whatever, and the Olympics are going to be going on, and they're going to have issues because you know they use every possible you know, the, the NBC cooking networks of the world and every possible network they can to get everything out there. Sure. And, uh, and NBC wants to put all their sports into one basket, which you can't blame them for. So they're sitting there and the best sporting guys like Doc Emmerich, he's, where's he going to be? Is he going to be covering the Olympics for NBC or is he going to be doing the rivalry nights? Or are we not going to have NHL coverage during those two weeks, um, you know, or three weeks? Well, I think we all know the answer to that. But when you're right, Act, you are way right. Because, yeah. you know, I don't know why Sam Flood hasn't called you know, yeah. Kevin Allen of USA Today and uh, Pierre Lebron of ESPN and Greg and the, the Puck Daddy of Yahoo.com and, and really just sort of kind of gone off about, uh, you know, that they, they need to go there because this is yeah. definitely, as you said, in NBC's best interest for the yeah. NFL to. But um, there, there, did, there yeah. did seem to be a conscious effort on the part of some of the players starting at the All Star break about them talking more publicly about. I mean, I know McDavid came out, and, and there's a, co a couple other players that said, you know, I can't believe that we're not going to be going. So it's sort of like they tried – they're putting the full-court press on the on the league to get things moving. Well, I think that's coming to them from another place, too. I think I think they're t people are telling them, you know, if they're going to the key players, and, you know, this is very, very much Donald Fair type thing to go to yeah. the key players and say, make sure you say something about the Olympics. Well, I mean, I, I, I agree. That's why I said – pressure, exert pressure slash provide inducements because I do think that from the public relations battle, um, the players win um, yeah. because I think for the most part, um, not everybody. I mean, I get letters all the time from people that would prefer to see, as they say, the amateurs, although I like to remind them that, you know, the 1980 team actually was the best group of Americans. You know, right, 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 right. There, weren't, there weren't that many – Americans, uh, you know, playing uh, roles. The only guy that they, they didn't get was Joey Mullen, who signed uh, in the NHL. Those are pretty much the best players. But um, yeah, Neil Broughton, right? Like, wasn't Neil Broughton? He was on no. The... Well, he played. played. Yeah, he played. Yeah, Broughton he was... was on that team. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they're, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that center ice on that team was, uh, you know, Pavlich and Broughton and Mark Johnson. And right. That's pretty good. But anyway, just going back to, uh, uh, you know, I, I think if the players, if every player just keeps saying, as they do, I mean, Patrick Kane said it, Jonathan Taves said it, as you said, Conor McDavis said it, yeah. we want to go, you know, it makes the league look bad. It looks like they're, you know, not uh, uh, being uh, wise. And you know, they'll just blame Bettman again because, you know, they like the <laughs> well, he's, 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 he's got to be, that, that's his job, right? To take, he take, gets a lot of money to take that blame. And, 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 to, and to further the, the talk about Ovechkin going no matter what, yeah, Nicholas Backstrom came out today apparently and told a Swedish outlet that Leonsis will let him go too. So you know, okay, uh, if they don't go, then the Washington Capitals will be losing four or five games in those two weeks. Well, yes, but you know, it, it, people have been predicting wholesale, but it won't be that um, because 
Um, and I'm not sure the Swedes will allow it either, but for sure, for sure, Canada and, and America are not going to allow any NHL players to play because they get too much money, you know, from the NHL. I mean, they, the NHL could punish federations for doing that, but right. you know, they're, they're at odds with Russia anyway. So Russia's not going to care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Russia, Russia, yeah, Russia really won't care. I, I, yeah. I've, I've heard Russia is if they don't go to the Olympics, I also heard this the other day, which is I've been following, trying to follow up on to write a story about it. But there was one person who told me that Russia says if they don't go to the Olympics, Russia's not coming to the World Cup of Hockey next time. Well, that, wait, wait for that to happen. You know, like wait for that kind of debate. And, you know, that sounds like something that would happen, right? That does sound that, – that's just – I mean, that's just the, the latest in the potential war of escalation because, I mean, there has been talk about the KHL. I mean, we've heard this for a while about the KHL preventing any Russian player under the age of 25 from coming to the NHL. Now, what happens for – like Ilya, the Samson off the goalie for the Capitals, or Korshkov, the kid the Leafs drafted. You know, those are 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids. That's five years that they would have to stay in Russia and not have the opportunity to play in the NHL. Or be snuck out in the back of a Fiat. Um, you know, I, you know if you want to go back to sort of the you know the the uh, the double oh seven sort of sneak, right? Like the McGillney um, era and all that stuff of how these guys were got were taken out of there. Here's the other issue there too. Like, what's the what's Gary Bettman going to say to Ted Leonsis, who's one of his big backers, one yeah. of his, his strongest allies? Yeah, he's one of his guys. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, he'll because I mean, th th this is uh, you know, he's being a heretic. Uh, you know, well, so, guys, what's interesting about this because you know, I'm, I'm going to bring up another one of his guys, like say Craig Leopold, another one of Gary's guys. Okay, who probably feels differently because of the fact that and what's interesting about that, you have. The hockey owners who are billionaires and they they just they really are okay they, they, they don't want to lose they don't want him Ovechkin to get hurt but they're also not going to stop it from happening and then you have the owners who aren't billionaires but who are really out there and those are the owners that are saying wait a second i go i'm putting all this money in this guy if he gets hurt you know that really affects my business i think there's a di i think there's a difference there i think the owners who are who just have so much money that the team is a big hobby for them are looking at this differently than the guys who don't um you know, I don't. I, I would say that that would make sense. You know, because, and you know, and and Leon. Everything about Leon says he's friends with Ovechkin. He's 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 buddy buddy. He's a different kind of owner, right? This is the kind of thing he does. He he hangs with Ovechkin. You know, like that's not what you normally owners aren't normally hanging with their star players, so to speak. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, and there's something to be said for that. I mean, you hear as an undercurrent this season that uh, the Avalanche wouldn't be where they are if their owner was uh, more involved. Um, right. That, that right. they just sort of turn the keys over to the management and then yeah. they're not paying, uh, you know, unless it gets embarrassing for the, you know, the family that, you know, they won't do it. So I, I think there's some truth to what you're saying. Yeah. Sure. All right. So moving on from the Olympics, we were talking about great names and how, you know, a great name goes, goes a long way in hockey. Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, uh, Gordie Howe. Well, here's, here's a name that's not helping him at all. Shane Gossespierre. <laughs> all right. So, and Shane Gossespierre is another is a healthy scratch again tonight um, against the Montreal Canadiens. This will be the third time this year he's a healthy scratch. Um, and tonight the Flyers are also scratching Travis Konechny, who is uh, I think this will be the second time he's a healthy scratch this year. So this is um, what's going on in Philly right now. The Flyers are coming off of one of their worst games in their history. I mean, they played they played so terrible against Carolina. I actually heard it called by Jay Greenberg today on XM the worst their worst game he's ever seen. And that's coming from Jay Greenberg who just wrote a book about 50 years of the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, 
they came out and they played they, they played so terrible against Carolina. There was no backlash at all. I mean, it feels like they, they there were stars in that game. I mean, Wayne Simmons was coming off being the MVP of the All-Star game, and he looked terrible in that. Everybody looked terrible in this game. Mm-hmm. So, and that's against Carolina, a team that's chasing them. You know, and that's a t- that, that's a big loss, right? So now they come in tonight. Now they have Montreal coming down. The Flyers' next game, next schedule is, is is brutal. They've got Montreal, they've got LA, they've got Chicago, they've got every possible good team over the next six. I mean, they're they're they have a bunch of games at home, but these are tough teams they're playing. And now the, the third time, Gossespierre, who was the MVP of the Flyers last year, has been scratched now for the third time. Um, and connect me, and 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 I personally don't see what they're seeing when they're scratching Gostasphere. I have not yet seen the reasons for it. I think there's the natural thing, okay, he's not he's not getting every shot through. He's a defensive liability, but you know he's a defensive liability. That's what you knew. You know that going in. That's Gostasphere is not going to be your best defensive player. Provorov is totally is is Provorov is a great defensive player. Actually, you know, today Jay Greenberg in that same interview compared Provorov thinks Provorov is going to be Duncan Keith like. That's that's how highly Jay Greenberg thinks of Provorov. Um and you know, and Provorov just plays both sides of the ice beautifully well. Um, Gostasbier, though, is, and I'll tell you why this is a good concerning. This is why this is concerning. Is last year, the one thing I felt about Shane Gostasbier was beyond what he was doing on the ice was what he was doing as a positive influence around the team and his attitude that he would bring to the, bring to the locker room to a locker room that can be a little bit dark at times. And what he did there was really huge. Travis Konechny is the same way. He's another guy who's bringing really positive energy. Uh, love to play the game type thing, you know, not jaded, just completely. And, and Travis Konechny's played very well as well. I don't see, you know. So what's fascinating here is we have this second-year coach in Hackstall who seems to be doing what you're supposed to do as coach, but I don't really see the reasoning for it necessarily. I mean, what do you think, Kevin, about, like, the history of scratching young players like this and how it works or doesn't work, you know? Well, I mean, it, historically it has worked because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, great players have been scratched and yeah no i mean let's the more one of the more prominent ones in recent years was uh, stamkos um right. and then it became sort of a plan thing they just decided to just yeah. sit them a few games which right. i've always said is the best way to do it but yeah. um yeah. i i think it does serve as sort of a catalyst because i think it helps them draw a breath like it's the season um i i know at the all-star game austin matthews said the like the season has just been a blur. Like, and yeah. I think that's what it is with young players. Um, and sometimes it helps them to sort of stop and pause and evaluate. And then, and then, uh, Gosses Pierre's, uh, uh, case, you know, he hasn't, uh, lived up to potential the, you know, the sophomore. Yeah. Uh, Jinx, um, has got him by the throat. Yeah. He's getting at the sophomore slot. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, I, I, I think every coach in the league sees that as a valuable tool that you've got to, you know, set these guys because, you know, continuing to play and to continue to um, repeat the mistakes is, is, is a definition of insanity for a coach. <laughs> yeah. You know, that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, and, and what and what Mike Babcock has been doing, he hasn't been – like he hasn't been scratching William Nylander. He's been demoting him to the fourth line. He says, you, you know, here's your reward. You get to play – with Matt Martin and Ben Smith for a game. Not to say that, you know, that they're good workmanlike players, but they don't have a lot of skill. They're just, they're, they're, they hustle, they hit. That He doesn't want to play with those guys. He wants to play with, you know, uh, Nazem Kadri or play with Austin Matthews. So he'll bump them down to the fourth line and then bump them back up 
a couple games later. And he did that once with Marner this year, and that was all it needed in terms of a wake-up call, and Marner has been consistent ever since. But that's what Babcock does. I, I, I don't know if, if what Hackstall is doing is a little, a little bit to the extreme, but you know maybe he feels he's just got to get that message through to Gossip Spear if it's something disciplinary, and if it's something in terms of just rest, then it's, you know, give him a day off, big deal. I'd like to uh, throw in here some sad news to report here. I just got a um, press release from USA Hockey that Jeff Sauer has passed away. Um, you know, Jeff Sauer, former University of Wisconsin um, coach, but yeah. has been involved. He's been the coach of the sled hockey team. He moved from ice hockey uh, to sled hockey just because uh, he's been a coach who always gives back. He's been involved in uh, hearing impaired hockey for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the world championships, he's involved with the discipline committee. He's been around the game forever and a day. He was Chelios's um, coach. He's coached a lot of NHL players um, in his uh, time and has been active in USA Hockey. And he's dead today at uh, age 73. Um, and they have really, uh, you American Hockey has lost a very important uh, uh, coach. He's uh, you know he he's had a, a rich legacy, and as I mentioned. I, I, to me, what's most um, marvelous and phenomenal about him is is that uh, his work with the um, hearing impaired uh, teams and most recently with sled hockey, where he's um, um, those sled American sled hockey teams have been, you know, dominant. They've been world champions and so forth. So, yeah. um, tough loss today for USA hockey. That's a shame. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. My thoughts and prayers with his family. That really stinks. Um. Okay, so a little hard to transition to this, but I can, I think. Um, Brad Marchand, uh, someone sent me this. Um, I didn't know what your opinion was, Kevin, of the Brad Marchand. Um, well, I, what I would say is, and what I said on radio, is sometimes collisions are planned. And um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the Chris Mason tweet um, about, uh, about his hit, and he says he can tell that it was not accidental because he didn't even look back. Right, um, right. You know, it, was like, it was like a drive-by, you know. Um, so I, I, you know, I there's a on um, Kukla's uh, what is his uh, website called? Kukla's Corner. Kukla's Corner has a really excellent. I don't know who did it. That's why I'm giving Kukla the credit for it because that's where you find it. Excellent video of yeah. all of my. Right here, so I was going to show you that. So I'm gonna okay, great. It's right on YouTube. Um, it's by. I'll tell you exactly who it's by as well. Um, it's called the Leg Sweeper video, um, and it's, uh, it's by Robert Sonderland, Soderland. Oh, yeah, he's Swedish. He's a Swedish, he's a Swedish writer, I think. He does a lot of good things. And this is, this is basically just going through, it's, it's like, it just continues through all of Marchand's, some of his most famous hits over the years. And it really is, I mean, these are just not, I mean, these are obvious. I mean, and it, the crazy thing is it's just, we, to play with this kind of disregard, like that one's horrible. <laughs> well, there are, and th this is the problem, though. I mean, you know, there's so much concentration on preventing the really, really yeah hideous stuff that you miss the ones that cumulatively add up to um, Marshan being a uh, dirty player. You oh, know, yeah. um, you know, the, they're just little things within the course of the thing, but of course of the, the yeah, sequence. I agree. The issue is this to me this is 
I, I was not, I was one of those. We sat together during the World Cup of Hockey, and I told you I was I just I didn't think Marshawn should even be there. And yet, at the end of it, I would have voted for him for for MVP. That's how good he was in Canada for Canada. I thought he was he was incredible. And none of this, I don't remember anything like this in the World Cup of Hockey. So he didn't have to do any of. This. He doesn't have to do this. Well, I mean, he I bet he would argue that he does have to do it. That that's what makes him who he is. Like, yeah. you know, remember what coaches always say. You know, don't. Yeah. Don't start thinking of yourself as a goal scorer, you know, even because, you know, what what got him to the league was his feistiness. And then yeah, it turned out to be a better scorer. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not defending him. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, and I know. It's just such a difference between dirtiness and feistiness to me. It's just like this is his – this is not a feisty player. This is a dirty player. And he's a feisty player too, but these are dirty plays. And Yeah, I, I, I don't know how you can – if you watch this uh, and you're the league <laughs> – Wow, you know we should have suspended him. I mean, you know, but it's real easy to look at these now, accumulatively. Right. And as I said, when they just happened in the course of, you know, you know, you there's a see. pattern here. I mean, there's a pattern here with these hits. I mean, they're sure. all they're the same uh, kind you of. Know, I, I I bet the league has never looked at the the pattern. They just kind of know that he's had, you know, did they know he had this many? I don't know. Yeah, I I'm, I'm hoping. I'm sure they'll see it soon. But well, sure they'll see this. But it's crazy. The one he got suspended for was the the year after the the Cup final between uh, Vancouver and Boston, where the Vancouver went to went to TD Garden and he low bridged. I think it was Sammy Sallow, and that was the one he got suspended for. And I think of the ones that we've just seen, it was probably the least objectionable. Oh, yeah. of the of the one. This might this be one, this one right here against Markov. This is insane. Yeah. Uh, this this one just this one to me is the it might be the worst one. It's like yeah, just you know. He's either the 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 it's world like that's trying to break someone's legs, you know. He's either the world's best slew footer, he's the world's worst hip checker. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, yet you know, ten thousand dollars fine, and then nothing, right? Nothing for the last one. You got nothing for Strawman, no. And I had um, I did I did a um, a poll on on Hockey Buzz that, about what people thought he should get if he should get another ten thousand fine, nothing, or if he should get one game suspension or more than one game suspension. And you know, six thousand people responded, which is a good a good sampling. And of those 6,000 people, 83% thought he deserved more than a one-game suspension. Another 7% believed he should get a one-game suspension. And then 10% or so thought he should get fined or nothing at all. So, I mean, that's 90% of the people. And, you know, you can sit there and say, okay, people, you know, hate Param, hate Brad Marchand, but, geez, oh, man. Yeah, but they do. But, you know, I think that just goes to show you how um, well-versed in the uh, – the rules of the game that fans are. I mean, oh, I know. fans can look at that and know. And to be honest with you, I'll, I'll bet if you had the Department of Player Safety here, if they watched that video too, they would say, I, I think it is a little unfair that it's accumulation. Now, I yeah. mean, you can criticize them fairly and say, look, you missed some things. Well, but you know, they, they, they are, are going to miss some things. <laughs> no, you're, you're not going to get every one. But the, the, what makes this – so fascinating is how many of them there were over his career. And, yeah. Yeah. Know. Oh my gosh. Yes. So um the Penguins, uh, before we get onto a couple of rumors real fast, because there aren't that many today, but the Penguins, um, the Penguins did, did unveil their stadium series jersey. I will be going to that game. I'm looking forward to that. Um February end of February here. I'm gonna try and, to go to that too. So yeah, it's gonna be fun. So this is the this is the and I love it. I actually think the Penguins did 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 well there by by me. This is um this is the Penguins. Um, stadium series jersey and I'm I've always been a fan of the penguins yellow jerseys like this um, this is definitely a sort of a mixture of eras I guess 
Yeah, that's the des- the de- the design is late seventies, but the color is is eighties and nineties. Right. And remember, they went they went to this color because the pirates and Steelers were so good. Remember that they, they uh that that's what I was told at least at the time that they just the, you know that those two no, teams were. And, and nobody, no other city. Um, supports their teams quite in the same manner that they do in Pittsburgh. Like if you go there on game day, if it's the Steelers or the Penguins, um, to a lesser extent the Pirates, but still, like they come out with their colors on. Like everybody has a Penguins shirt on on game day. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like amazing. Like you know, there's no other city quite like that. Um, you know, yeah. they they just have everybody. You know, I would say ninety percent. Other people have yeah. some sort of penguins apparel on. Oh yeah, I think you're right, and I, I think the uh, Pittsburgh to me feels about as collegey as you can get for an NHL city. For some reason, it's always felt like a college place to me. Um, you know, maybe it's, it just does. It feels because you're so used to Philadelphia. It's obviously so much smaller than Philly. Um, people from Pittsburgh, and I know a lot of people from Pittsburgh are the nicest people in Pennsylvania. They really are super nice people, and I run into you know run into work with different ones. My wife has worked with Pittsburgh people, and they're just great people. Um, and they, they love they write you emails. If they write you emails, they're a little less kind. But yeah, no, I know. And I say that you know, at the, now by saying that, I'll get of course the Flyers fans will go crazy at me. But um, yeah, that's just. But I really find the Penguins people nice. But um, I want to get onto my buyers and sellers list because I my I have my new one today for the East, and um, rumor wise, we're pretty much where we were. There's a couple things out there today um, that Duchene's price is pretty darn high, um, and uh, you know. Maybe and the, the interesting thing is a couple of people now is saying that you know it could be as much as a first and a second round pick where before it seemed to just be a first round pick um, and then prospect and a and another but geez a prospect a player first and a second that's pretty intense that's yeah it's pretty high I know that I know that uh, Pierre LeBron reported uh, and I just I'm writing this up for our rumor buzz column that uh, the Nashville Predators were expressing some sort of interest in Duchesne. And if you look at it, I mean, it does make a little bit of sense, but the cost, I mean, if you would think that, that the Preds would have to give up one of those four defensemen that they have, and they've already given up Weber. Can they afford to give up, you know, uh, an Ellis or an Ekholm? I don't know if they can. I don't think they can. I, 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 I think they want more than either of those two players. Oh, yeah. No, that's, what I'm saying is they want a player that's better than those two is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah. They want to. They want a player and a first and second round draft picks. I mean, that's just we're talking about. That's to me. This is like me trying to get a hundred thousand dollars for my broken down Hummer. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. If someone gives me that, I'll take it. Yeah, that Hummer's sweet, though. I've ridden in that Hummer. <laughs> it doesn't move right now, but thank you. I appreciate we cooled down Broadway on that. Remember? Oh, so. we did. That was the one of the in, in New York City, Kevin and I. That was one of the funniest things ever because you know, like here are two hockey writers couldn't be less hip. Driving in this crazy that I just got it like a day before that. So funny. Um, all right. Look. I think Mike's written in it too, right? Even in it. Oh yeah, no, yeah. And I also wrote in your Jeep without without the cover when it was raining. Yeah, I have two and he he had uh, I think he had a six pack of sugar Mexican sugar coke in the back. <laughs> on, on, on tap, always, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's part hey, of it. Before yeah. we go, I want to tell an unhockey related story, but I, I know people I, I yeah. found it fascinating and every time I tell it to people, and if you're a parent, you'll think this is just hilarious yeah go ahead. i watched the showtime series uh, the affair and in it uh, in it uh, i'm not going to get into all the subplots but um the uh, main character has 
sort of uh, fractured his relationship with his children, particularly his oldest daughter, who is a teenager and, uh, you know, hates him for leaving her mother. And he's explaining to her last week that, um, you know, he, you know, he's trying to be better, but he realizes he made mistakes. And what he said was this, and I, I think this is the perfect explanation of parenting. He said, you know, my father learned from the mistakes that his father made. And then I learned from the mistakes that my father made. And now you will learn from the mistakes that I have made. And the hope is that somewhere down the line, someone will have a great childhood. <laughs> no. I, I thought that is the most incredible explanation of parenting that I have, have ever heard. That is fantastic. The whole uh, that's, like, that's a good a good thing to go out on today. Uh, make sure you check out Kevin's Kevin's stuff on USA Today for sure. Um, Mike's articles on Hockey Buzz are really top notch with the Maple Leafs and my stuff today. I have my buyer seller chart, my buyer seller thing, and uh, you know, spoiler alert: there's the Washington Capitals have moved to the moved into the definite buyer category by 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 rising thirty five points. In my thing, that is incredibly hard to do thirty five points in a month. Um, to the number one spot at 66.75. And now I have, so I, now I have 10 buyers and five sellers in the Eastern Conference and really only two strong sellers. So it's really at this point, you know, and the Flyers are the, for the first time actually have slipped into the seller category, which is, you know, but barely, I mean, they're, and the Islanders are the closest you can possibly be to the buyer seller line at 0.03, which is the closest I've ever had any team get to that <laughs> flat out buyer seller line. Flyers minus 2.5. So check it out. A um, couple teams moving pretty. And then the Maple Leafs, Mike, up to number seven as a likely buyer now. I don't buy it. <laughs> All right. We'll see. A likely buyer. Um, yeah. Pretty, I mean, and they're climbing. They've climbed every week consistently. They. I know. I know. I, I think it, they're either a seller or a non-buyer. Okay. We'll they're either standing pat or they're selling, but not, not buying. Again, I you know I'm with Mike. I'm with Mike all day today. So. Yeah, yeah. Something scary. Something. Yeah, something. You, might, you might want to get that checked out, Kevin. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.